This season of the Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast is brought to you in part by the City of Houston and Houston Arts Alliance. Houston Arts Alliance is a local arts and culture organization whose principal work is to implement the City of Houston's vision, values, and goals for its art grant making and civic art investments. HAA's work is conducted through contracts with the City of Houston, overseen by the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. HAA also executes privately funded special projects to meet the needs of the arts community, such as disaster preparation, research on the state of the arts in Houston, and temporary public art projects that energize neighborhoods. In short, HAA helps artists and arts nonprofits be bold, productive, and strong. We want to say thank you to Houston Arts Alliance and the City of Houston for your support of our little podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hey, just quick heads up. This podcast may contain some adult language and adult themes. So if you got kids around, tell them earmuffs. If you at work, put your headphones on. Just make sure you're not about to get in trouble for listening to this. Also, remember that it is all in artistic context. We're not just out here talking crazy for no reason. All the time, anyway. Um, but stay tuned. I don't exactly know how to start this episode, guys. It's the wrap-up episode. It's, yeah. I'm Vernique. I'm Raquel Simone. I'm Mark. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hey. To the end of the year. All right. End of decade. Hey. By the time they'll listen to this, it'll be a new decade. Oh, yeah. Where Welcome to the new decade. Happy Where were new you year? 10 years ago? We're already in 2020, bitches. Where was that 10 years ago? Oh, okay. <laughs> she was, oh, that's so cute. She was being oh, born. Wrong. <laughs> Oh, she learned how to walk. Wrong. I was in Second college Second birthday. Ago. Second birthday. It was so cute. I was in college. Minnie so Mouse birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> you were in college as one of the youngest niggas there, though. I like, was. Stop I'm not gonna it. Lie. My lashes got me a Disney princess birthday card mm. for my birthday. Uh, I think they should have thrown you a surprise Disney princess birthday party. They couldn't. Real do shit. That. They used to tell people that my birthday parties were gonna be at Chuck E. Cheese for a long time. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're having a birthday That's, party at Chuck E. Cheese." It was the only place you could get in. They're wrong. I, I used a to bunch be of on Main Street. Trust. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about how you used to pay for school, girl. Being mm-hmm. on Main Street. No. Wow. Ooh, bust it down. I kid. I kid. Bust it down. She paid for them on the pole. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I ain't got no upper body strength, so I know this a lot. <laughs> Make the most money on the chairs. Hello. <laughs> Tell me more, Renee. Hey. That's some different kind of polls. <laughs> God damn it. You always take it too fucking far. It's pretty good. I like that one. That was funny. No problem. Okay. Do what I can. I think I'm going to use my NPR tone. All right. Yeah. So, guys, we've wrapped season two of the Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast. Party done? No. 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 Okay. No. That was season one. Okay. So what season, the end of season two, what do you I, say? I, I came up with something, but I don't remember it. So how are you going to discount what somebody else say? No, that was the name that I gave for the wrap-up oh, episode. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Hopefully he'll remember by the time this episode posts. <laughs> or I'll come up with something else. Mm-hmm. Whatevs. Um, but yeah, season two in the books. How do you guys feel about that? I'm actually very excited. 
the, well, not that the season's ending, but season two, I feel like we we knew that the season one wasn't a fluke because we also had a good season two. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, okay, we've got a we've got a really good thing going, and it's sustainable, and we can grow it and expand it, and met some really cool people. Our podcast is green. What does that mean? It's sustainable. Oh. Green can grow it. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the first thing that popped in my head when you said that. Sustainable. <laughs> my wife is a budding environmentalist. Yay. So, I don't know what that means, cool. but uh that means you're trying. Mm-hmm. And we're trying along so with you. Are we not all trying in some way? You know? <clears throat> not, no, there are people that are absolutely not literally trying. rolling back environmental policies as we speak. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> were you done talking about how you felt about season two? I was. What about you, little bear? Um, I think I I agree with Raquel in that I feel like it was I feel like um definitely sustainable and that you're able to take that trajectory of season one and have people who listen to season one actually want to be a part of season two and just to see it continue to grow and then the different types of artists that were on season two so that you were able to expand on what listeners have already listened to i think that's cool yeah I <clears throat> so agree congratulations thanks 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 it's awesome no uh <laughs> i <laughs> no i agree um I'm 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 happy that we were able to complete season two. Um, I'm more so looking ahead. Um, I think we did some cool things, talked to some great people. Um, but you know, I'm trying to be more growth minded. Um, so I don't want to, even though I do want to celebrate the small victory of completing season two and having talked to the awesome people that we've talked to. Um, I definitely am looking ahead to you know what we will accomplish or will have accomplished this time next year um so yeah there's that Woo. what was that i just said woo. <laughs> that was like the saddest woo ever <laughs> woo. <laughs> somebody's granny woo <laughs> that was like sinclair's woo <laughs> woo 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 <laughs> are you done <laughs> Why was that shit so small? (laughs) (laughs) It's like when somebody does that little handshake to show that they're celebrating. (laughs) That small hand. (laughs) (laughs) Accompanied by the weakest fist pump ever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry, guys. We hope you're laughing at that, too. That shit was funny. No, I'm very sensitive about people laughing at me, so I hope you're not laughing at it. The only way for you to get stronger is for people to make fun of you. I, I strongly disagree. <laughs> Don't be a punk. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so what do we think that we, what the hell are you doing? I was about to say, hope you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing at herself. <laughs> As well, she should be. Anyway, what were you going to ask us, Mark? So, grows and glows grows and glows that yeah it's a term i learned when i was working for a charter school (laughs) system okay uh uh, when (laughs) (laughs) when you were working at a charter school when i was working at a charter school it's a term that they used um to describe the things that we did well and the areas of growth Mm -hmm. for us okay um so let's talk about them our our glows and grows 
Okay. You should start. Why do I have to start? You start. So I should start? Yeah, it's your yeah. show. I should start? And you're the one that knows you're most familiar with it. You start. Um, So, let's see. Glows. What do I think we did well this season? Um, Consistency is key. <laughs> Consistency is key. So, actually having the second season and knowing how crazy um, last summer was, um, that was absolutely um a great thing that we overcame all of that bullshit to actually complete start first of all to start season two and then complete season two i think that was a big big deal um that's pretty awesome but then also um i think developing these relationships um with artists continuing to develop those relationships um that's important um i think uh also a glow that is kind of a brag or a humble bra- i don't know whatever um Why but goes humble? but also goes into it um into the arts explanatory thing but it's really a personal thing for me is actually doing being able to do having shown work a couple times this year um and building relationships for um with people who want to be on the show um and things like that as kind of a effect of them having seen the work that I've created. That's pretty, that's a pretty cool thing as well. Um, grows. Oh, we actually, we gotta, we, we did great. Um, absolutely. But I think, um, as it was mentioned by Anthony Francis season, I mean, season one, episode four, my brother, um, he mentioned that, the format was different this year. It was more conversational as opposed to educational. It was more educational last year. There was a focus on, you know, what the artists did, how they did it, and them explaining what it is that they do and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this season was more conversational. I think um, I definitely wanted to be more educational um, and still entertaining as well. Um, so definitely still <coughs> conversational, but um, with a more educational slant. Um, so we might be going back to basics um, in just that particular format, tightening things up. But yeah, overall, I think we did it. That's that's interesting because my glow was I did notice the difference in the format, but I think I found them I don't know personally more rewarding because I've as we start having these conversations and learning and start researching these other artists that we're put on during these conversations I think there's a lot of valuable information in the artist narrative yeah and so like yeah I might not learn all the technical terms from the interview but there's nothing stopping me from (coughs) learning them outside of the interview yeah and so I put that in the glow conversations that I think we've started focusing more on the artist narrative and I think that is important as we're like as a preservation tool because that makes sense yeah that makes sense but do you think that we didn't do that first season i no, i don't think that we didn't do it the first season but i feel like it the conversations flowed more organically this season because we focused on the artist's journey and their narrative and so if there was a art term but we didn't necessarily have to stop to say oh can you explain this to me i would just jot it down and go look it up later like oh, okay i learned something so i think for area of growth that could be something that we translate into our social media content so even if we don't do it on the actual podcast during the interview we can always use that as content and like oh okay we talked about this we talked about this technique or this process 
um, to make it educational, but I think I found the conversational or centering the conversation on the artist narrative to be really valuable. That's interesting. It's wrong, but now I'm just fucking with you. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. It I didn't say joke. anything. I just smiled at you. Yeah, but you were looking like, why didn't you say that? No, I just smiled at you. So that was. <laughs> okay. Do you have another glow for us? Another glow. I mean, you don't have to. I was just asking. Well, I mean, yeah, that kind of summed up my glow is that when I looked at each one of the interviews, hearing their artist narrative and journey, I think is important because what I've found when I'm talking to people about the podcast are like, that's a really cool and important platform that you all created because when we especially because of our goal of centering often marginalized artists I do think I don't think it's a stretch to say when people want to go learn about these artists when they come yeah they'll have that where we preserve their narrative saying okay at this point in their career this were the, this these were their viewpoints this was their process these were their milestones and that's only been captured on our podcast yeah yeah, that's great. That's fair. Our girl. Our, oh well, you already did our <coughs> grow as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think that the difference in format would be a glow and grow, in that I I liked it, but I also miss the educational format of it as well. So I think that as a grow, you can um, combine the two, um, and then as a grow also. I would um I would like to see a little bit more maybe a few more episodes shorter format that includes some just general stuff from the hosts and people that are talking about art it doesn't necessarily have to be an interview but that's a Vernique thing that y'all may hate so but that's mine. No, I mean that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, give us more work. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Vernique. I like the idea My too. My ideas are awesome. So. I never said your idea wasn't awesome. I just said it's more work. You need an intern. Saying. Y'all got some art interns out there? Hey, if y'all want to be an art, in, if y'all want to be an intern, come on, holler at me. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll find a way to get you credit um, at your school for that. You know what I'm saying? Um, do you have any other glows or grows? That's it. <laughs> I love that's it. D a s s i t i t. That's it. You ain't getting flued out. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> if they can't spell it correctly, then oh, so you looking for somebody that can for spell? It. Huh? I was waiting for it. they. Who are they? No, <laughs> so who are they? Hmm? Are? No, 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 don't, 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 don't sip your drink. Who is they? You, sweetie. No, who is they? You flewed me out. <clears throat> Y'all just witnessed the breakup of a marriage. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> <laughs> going nowhere. Awkward. I'm not going nowhere. You moving in with your mama? No. I'm just <laughs> what were y'all's favorite episodes? Ah, I've thought about this really, really long. Um, I'm gonna go with Delita Martin. Rocky, you can't keep stealing my answers. <laughs> okay, go ahead, girl. Both of y'all stole my answers. So. Yeah, it was okay. So that's the unanimous vote. Right. I enjoyed every single one of our episodes, but. Delita's is the episode that I keep going back to in the art world as well as my personal about her uh, perspective to art and creating and growing her brand and keeping your hands open and sharing and stuff. I'm hyper um, generalizing what she said, but you should go listen to the episode if you haven't. 
but I really enjoyed Delita's conversation. I found her to be very welcoming and insightful. And yeah, but I, I felt that way. I think with the personal takeaways from season one, the, the people who just dropped like those gems where you're like, damn, I know this is about art, but I'm going to apply that to my fucked up life <laughs> and, and I'm going to glow up. We'll be praying for you and your fucked up life. Well, no, my, life, my <laughs> life's not fucked up. My life, I'm, I mean, my life is not nah, But yeah, it was just one of those shit. where those those conversations that were centered on art kind of expanded beyond art. And I feel like Delita's episode is the one I walked away with with the most like, wow, this was life changing. Like, she should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's funny. It's funny because she's also very blunt. Yes. So I don't know if she should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> People uh, leave crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it worked for Ayala. And it, did it work for Ayala? It, yes. She has a TV show that she gets paid on. People and may books. be annoyed, but yeah. it, it has worked. All if right. work means success and making money. It's fine, I guess. That's that's what we're gonna. If that's who we're using as the barometer, sure, I mean, go for success it. Success is measured differently by everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. But nah, um, my my my, I have two favorites actually, um, and they are both members of the same clique out there kicking ass and taking names, uh, Ann Johnson and yeah. Delita Martin, um, and it's. It's all about the philosophy, right? Like they both actually have very similar philosophies <laughs> and approaches to to making and creating and things like that. But um, their personalities are also so very different. Um, so it manifests in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Anne, Anne's approach, in my opinion, is very much like, okay, so what are we doing? You know, like, it, well, so let me go back because I I think I'm I think of it as like the conversations that I've had with them about creating myself or other people creating and like their approaches are a little bit different but still very similar in that Anne's like okay so what are we doing all right cool 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 good all right so next step next step next step and Delita's is like hey uh what the hell are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as long as you know what you're doing, can't nobody else tell you what the hell you're not doing or what you need to do. You know what I'm saying? I think that's probably their basis of everyday life, though. Yeah. Anne's a professor. Yeah. And Delita is talking to herself crazy in her head. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 too, I, I, too, talk to myself like that. Delita, please don't take that personally. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I absolutely agree. Um, And their work also like the layers of their work is like just insane right like um and layers take on an actual like a a tangible layer with the things that she uses right where delita's is a visual layer where you can see these things but then they both have the depth in context and content and things like that that I think is really really dope and both their work speaks to me I like figurative work um and I think Anne has a different approach to figurative work because she's absolutely using figure figures but then there's a sculptural aspect to the work as well and things like that which I think is really really dope um yeah yeah so for me I think well I said that Rocky stole my response earlier Raquel Simone stole my response earlier but 
I would like to say that it depends on what mood you're in or what you took away from each one. Because um, if you look at, for example, like Deidre Thomas, mm-hmm. I loved her episode in the sense that it gave me a lot of information that I didn't I didn't have before. Yeah. I think I've, I've probably quoted a few different times. Like, did y'all know what the hotel and restaurant tax goes to? <laughs> <You> <laughs> I know? have also quoted that. So, yeah. so like, yeah. you know, I just felt like it was very informative. I feel like her... Um, her episode gave a lot of um, artists who may not have had that information or just people who find that information generally um, interesting, um, you know, gave them a lot of information that they didn't have. And I think that that gives context to how art in our city is made and how it, you know, how people are able to create. Um, I think if uh, look at Anne's episode, I thought her episode was really good. Um, I was a part of that episode too, but I also thought it was cool in the sense of what she had to share and then, wonderfully we're able to go and see her show um yeah. maybe that same week i think it was that same week and that, so that i Thursday. think it was cool i mean and that's probably a personal experience in that we were able to do the show and then go and see her actual work that she talked yeah. about um in the show and like um mark said just how she <clears throat> is able to share her experiences and she talked about I really liked how she was able to show give us her journey and that how she wasn't even trying to be a printmaker and how it happened and how you can evolve. And I think yeah. that that's really um, a cool thing to see as well. Yeah. I actually also like um, uh, DA's episode, too, because he's not an artist, but that he yeah. also participates in you know, how he works with artists and how he participates in that life of artists and things like that. And I think that that gives um, everybody a perspective that they may not have had before, especially with this show. And, um, obviously, so um, you're going down the whole list. Uh, well, no, I just, and then my last thing was like, I I love the leaders episode just because I feel like, um, she talks like me so, she does. <laughs> and so I, yes. I, I just was like oh and i like missed the hanging out in the studio but i told her we i'm gonna be there girl i'm gonna see you it's funny um <laughs> so you you embody a lot of the personality traits of delita and rebea yes which is very funny to me because when you want to be real sweet and nurturing you're rebea when you want to just be like hey uh, what the fuck is going on? Can we figure this shit out? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Vernique is one of my personal and I appreciate life coaches, it. and so I think she is more deleted than her. <laughs> I don't. Is she it. your life coach or is she your bully? She's not my bully. <laughs> Dang, bitch. No. Am I your bully? No, nigga, you can't whoop me. <laughs> shit. Today. <laughs> Try me. I just ate. That's the only reason. <laughs> I'm full. No. <laughs> I just want y'all to know her talk is way bigger than her frame. Uh, at five two, chihuahuas bite the hell out your ankle. No, they don't. Chihuahuas do not bite hard at all. I've been bit by a damn chihuahua. I am terrified of chihuahuas. Can we please? What were you going to say, Raquel Simone? Oh, why I don't think Vernique is a bully. That's some neurotic ass shit right there. Scared of chihuahuas. (laughs) Are you gonna let the girl finish? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're the fucking bully. Oh, maybe. Maybe <laughs> Renee's my life coach, but she's not a bully because her end goal is for me to be okay, and I feel like that's not the end goal of bullies. That's fair. So it's like, ah, damn. Do I want to tell Renee this because I know she's gonna get my ass together? And so, so are the football pl- playing. I mean, the football coaches that throw water bottles at their players. No, because they they benefit in some way. I benefit nothing from Raquel <laughs> being great. Hey, I'm just playing, <laughs> dude. Like, relax. You're not really a bully. It was First a joke. All, I disagree because you know when I'm on, 
I'm trying to be like Rihanna and fly all my friends out to do flute out. Yeah, so you get flute out, mm-hmm. Mark. Your your invite uh, is, is TBD, but <laughs> Renick will get flute out when I'm on. So you. That's fine. That ratchet shit better come with a cap. Goddamn. What? <laughs> I feel like you just tried to use too many cool words. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I I meant cap as in a place where it stops. Oh, okay. Not like in the, <laughs> the no completely in a, incorrect way okay. that you guys use it. I don't use that either. <laughs> hey, no cap, boo, no cap. Yeah. We can't wear hats. No, 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 can we not wear hats? No. We, we are so so. I don't think we understand. <laughs> you and I are. Um, Raquel I still pretends that she's 17. I don't use the term no cap intentionally what? how do you use it unintentionally you know, I was like is this no ca- is this a situation where i say no cap <laughs> like that's just it's like okay i feel like this is where the kids say no cap let me say it so. she is one of the kids i am not one of the kids i realize that i love that when people like they don't like something about their generation how they separate themselves as a millennial i will admit that i'm a millennial yet so a lot of my friends were like i ain't no millennial i was like have you looked at the years have but you I looked am, at but i am also a millennial Mm-mm. we ain't gonna go into when you was born i am a millennial Yo, I, didn't, when you I, didn't born say, in, I didn't say you were you're born in 2001 that does not make you a millennial no not <laughs> you stupid <laughs> <laughs> anyway moving on i'm just playing she was born in 2007 um no <laughs> no but i agree with you said babe in terms of um you know it just depends on what your perspective is what i mean i guess that goes with you know the the whole phrasing of you know what's your favorite episode yeah. but at the same time like i think all of our guests were great i think ronald was amazing ronald was super mm-hmm. forthcoming and i appreciate him talking about all of his work um i appreciate everybody talking about their work because that shit is not fun all the time you know what I'm saying? And oh, I forgot to mention Mark Fury. I loved his. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is hilarious. Sorry, I, I know I was supposed to pick one, In but your I couldn't. Ear holes. <laughs> You've covered like eighty percent of the show. Sorry. Sorry. No, but I mean everybody was great, and you know I appreciate that. Like, you know when I see like some of these people I didn't know beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. So like Deidre, I didn't know Deidre beforehand, but every time I see Deidre, every time I've seen her since us talking to her. She's been super warm, super cool, mm-hmm. you know, ask, hey, is there anything you guys need? Da, da, da. Like, that's great. And yeah. that's, you know, not only what I want to foster for ourselves, but for the art community at large. Like, everybody should be able to be warm and inviting when they see people who are, well, just people in general. Let's start there. But, <laughs> but you know, I'll settle for in the art community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but everybody everybody was great um like i said deidre mark ronald kevin uh uh we already talked about delita and ann for sure uh vernon was great um telling us all about his um tiny tiny town where he grew up that only took like five minutes because there are three people that live there uh but no um you know every everyone like literally everyone and granted we had a very short season um this season um but i definitely i absolutely don't want to forget um alex because um i said this on alex's episode um and i will say it again i wish you wouldn't (laughs) what i didn't say anything wrong and he agreed like i didn't know anything about him or his work beforehand Right. Before going and looking at his website. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you know, 
on social media and things like that, a lot of times you see, you only get to see so much. Mm-hmm. You only get to see what people are choosing to put out. And a lot of times with social media, people are putting out, even fine artists, people are putting out the shit that sells a lot of times. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And, and the things that they eat off of. And that's fair. I get it. Um, but absolutely talking to him was great. I mean, same thing with, you know, when we talked to Lamont last season <laughs> and I, you know, he, he and I have had several conversations about that as well. Like, unfortunately, as humans, we can't we can help it, but it's a natural thing to have preconceived notions from time to time. Right. So, you know. But that's the whole purpose of, exactly. that, of having the podcast and yeah. having them come on and sharing their story and talking, you know, talking about their art. So I think that it's actually, I don't want to say it's good that you had a preconceived notion, but it helps in that, yeah. you you know, people come on and can actually, tell, you know, give you a different perspective of who they are. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing like with rappers. People have like lots of things to say, you know, about who this person is. They may make crappy music, mm. but you may not know like what they're actually doing in the community or whatever the case may be that still shares a different perspective yeah. of who the person is or, yeah. you know, and just cause I don't like it don't mean that somebody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to also want to clarify that like, I am not contrary to what somebody believes. I am not an art snob. I am a person that wants to know that the people that I'm talking to about their art actually have more to say about their art other than, yeah, I like the colors. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but that actually goes into. But I think that that goes into your background, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's 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 how you perceive art, and I don't feel like saying that you don't like something makes you a snob. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Does that make? Because I don't like Miracle Whip. That made me a Miracle Whip snob. Hey man, listen. Well, that makes you smart because Miracle Whip is fucking disgusting. But that's your opinion. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Art is subjective. Yeah. I hope the leg of that chair falls and breaks. I mean, it's and then chair, you hit your so. chin on the table. No, I'm just playing. I don't want you to hit your chin. Yeah, on I was the gonna table. say y'all got rid of your forehead chair. though, because that'd do. be a nice little okay. white do. mark. You know, uh, I'm <laughs> but I'm gonna act like you fell outside. Yeah, <laughs> roll you right outside. <laughs> she slipped right on the sidewalk. I don't know how it I happened. Don't, no, no, not not right in front of our house. She like across the street, the yard. I don't know what happened. It's crazy. Wow. But no. Uh, <laughs> Who needs enemies when you have friends like this? But nah, man, I, I think Common said it best. And I've quoted this for the, what, damn near 20 years ago when he said it. Uh, if I don't like it, I don't like it. That don't mean that I'm hating. Yeah. Um, and people get real, real bent out of shape about that. But if I don't like it, I don't like it. Don't mean that I'm hating. But it's usually not that, you know, when we talk about having people on the show and things like that, uh, it's usually not even that I don't like their work. It's more so like, can you talk about your work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this is a talking podcast. Yeah. Do you have something to share with people it's other not than a YouTube? Video. Yeah, I mean, I like painting like big pictures and like I like colors, <laughs> bro. Like I, I mean, we would hope we can't. You're an artist. Like we this. can't. We can't do an hour and a half of that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I do understand that it is difficult for people to talk about their work. Oftentimes, and some people just don't like to talk about their work. So. We absolutely appreciate every single person that has come on this show um, over the last two seasons. Um, and we're hoping that more people want to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think now I'd like to talk about the future. Let's talk about the future. Do you guys think the Russians are going to take over us? Can you like- not? I'm just, I'm just playing, guys. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We're not. No, I think that we can talk about... Um, a hot topic or something it goes into what we were just talking about 
Okay, that's fine. We can we can do that. We can talk about the future in a minute. Um and and um yeah, this is a thing that we've we've well we talked about it on Alex's episode. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it a few times. But it's the the idea or the question of what is art, and this is a question that's been asked several times um, in the history of the art world. Um, Duchamp's work comes to mind when we talk about what is art. Um, the elitist practices of the the art academies in uh, different parts of Europe um, absolutely come into mind. Um, London's art or the Royal Arts Academy and things like that and how they viewed things and um you know throughout the Renaissance and things like that like what is art what is art what is art that's a great question especially with what's going on in the contemporary art world right now which could be good or bad we still have to wait and see um but and so because of that that's the question I want I actually looked up the definition of art, contemporary art and fine art. Share them with us, my dear. <laughs> so art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. To me that means so many things it's and which vague. is why I've always said that art is subjective. Okay. Let me go. And then it has a secondary definition is the various branches of creative activities such as painting, music, literature, and dance. So that's art. Fine art is creative art, especially visual art whose products are to be appreciated primarily or solely for the imaginative, aesthetic, or intellectual content. I think that's important because it specifically says imaginative, aesthetic, or intellectual content. And I think that that's probably where people begin to have very um, staunch views on what they think fine art is and they focus on the intellectual content component. Um, And then the secondary definition is an activity requiring great skill or accomplishment. Um, I don't know how much great skill or accomplishment it takes to use a piece of duct tape on a banana, but you know, (laughs) who are me? But what if the focus was the intellectual part to have the conversation? I don't think that's the case. I mean, a banana and duct tape sold for six figures. There's there's definitely intellectual Sex sales for a lot more than that. Is that shit apparently, art? Apparently, <laughs> and dictionary.com does not have a actual definition for contemporary art. It's just that's the time period. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is, contemporaneous. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, so while I do think there should be classification so that we know what we're talking about, um, which, like you said, that's when the conversation of what fine art is and things like that. Um, the only, but the difficulty arises with that when we start separating um, or when race comes into play, because a lot of times, race and class. yeah, race and class. Um, well, that's a funny thing, right? Because like a lot of artists that whose work has been revered have not, especially contemporarily, um, um, that might not be a word, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> you add L-Y to anything. You know what I'm saying? Anywho. Um, or an S. They, have, they haven't necessarily been of the quote-unquote upper class. They haven't been the rich people. 
Because right. you have Fines. it, but the people who buy them and put them in the spaces to say exactly. So that's why I said it. When you start talking about class within art, it becomes this very interesting thing because a lot of artists are blue collar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of artists are working class. Um, now, if we start talking about way back in the day, um, when most people just think about white dudes, um, then yeah, those guys were you know part of the upper crust. Mm-hmm. Like that's just because that's how art was respected then um but when you talk about it now that's not the case so that class component is a very interesting thing um but then you know there's there's a lot of different things that go into class and race and things like that but when it comes to purely like what is art like what does art look like what does it sound like feel like whatever that becomes a whole nother thing I see. It's funny to me because I feel like who who makes that decision? Um, I feel I feel like you know when yeah. it all boils down to it. You're saying in terms of fine art, yeah. When it all boils down to it, it's really just like what you like and what you don't like and what sells. I mean, well, you know, so John, John and I meet. Well, myself, I don't know who John is. I'm about to say myself. John Abodili, who is the CEO of Houston Arts Alliance. I do know who John is. I just wanted uh, to explain. And, uh, and, uh, Aaron McClarity, um, who we definitely will be touching base with, uh, in season three, you guys will be able to hear from her. Um, but we sat on the panel together, which I've referenced several times this season, um, talking about the fact that the work that's being shown in these galleries, in these, um, large institutions and things like that like 85% of the people that work there 85% of the work that's being shown 85% of the work that's being collected and that's average is white or Eurocentric art or white people and things like that right so they determine <laughs> like the the white the 85% of the white people or people who are white determine what that work is right um, and that's that bullshit because as human beings, we don't always look beyond our nose. So it's like if 85% of those people were black, the work might be 85% black. Like, yeah. <laughs> but then again, there's the, you know, definite whitewashing in the history of art where there is tons of black work. Mm-hmm. But we've been taught through the books and shit that, eh, it's, we're mostly talking about the white people, guys. So maybe the work would still be mostly white. Okay, I guess that I guess for me, I delineated it down to what I consider to be art. You are saying what is presented as art. Yeah. Okay, so those are to me those are two two separate things. Well, but what the individual thinks is different than what the institutions think. I agree with you, but what I I guess part of it, what made us want to talk about that was the whole banana debacle in (laughs) in in Miami at you know at Basel. So that that's that's why I wanted to talk about it. I agree with you, and I think that um, uh, Raquel sent us an article from the Baltimore um, Sun that talked about how the Contemporary Art Museum, if I'm the Baltimore Museum of Art, will only acquire works from women next year. Um, and it's to, it's to change some of, of what you've already talked yeah. about. And so, you know, it becomes frustrating when there's no, when nobody's trying to do anything about it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good to see somebody actually trying yeah. to do something about it. I also feel like what makes a difference too, is the people who are now presenting art. I feel like there are more people, there are more collectors of color who people know about, who people see, for example, um, 
uh, Beyonce's mom, Miss Tina, did that uh, whole. Uh, there was an article about her. Was it in Vogue? I think it, it was, was something like that because she's an art collector. Was it Vogue or Harper's Bazaar? It was one of them. It was one, one of those um, magazines. Owned by Condé and Nast. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like what happens with that is that people then get intrigued and they're like, oh, what's going on? Uh, Blackish did a whole entire episode. Yeah. Granted, it's 30 minutes long, but yeah. they did an episode about black art. I think that that is what will push the boundaries and change things yeah. because people are actually doing something about it versus just sitting still in that space and not making any differences. Yeah. I mean, I think I think right now what our conversation is is more so about representation. But the original question is like, what is art? Right. Like art to me has always been always been about um the product of that creative activity um because that's what i remember like in webster's dictionary when i was in high school i looked it up because i had a teacher that didn't like the fact that i was doing graffiti all the time uh an art teacher who didn't like it. and i'm like she was like that's not art that's vandalism uh first of all ma'am it's on a piece of paper am i vandalizing my paper that doesn't make any fucking sense. Words mean things. <laughs> For real. I mean, that's just a stupid ass thing to say. I have found that some teachers have no sense and are not as smart as people try and present them to As be. a former educator who spent time with a lot of educators, uh, <laughs> bro, I, could, I got stories. You know I have stories about anywho. Um, but no, I, I've always felt that way. Um, I think my thing is I prefer work that is somehow doing something novel, whether it's in technique or whether it's in the message that's being conveyed. Like I want to see something that is different. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is like when you've been creating work and things like that, you can see, literally you can see in the work whether somebody has been practicing and they've developed this skill or whether somebody's work looks like this because that's the best that they can do, which isn't necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily a problem, but at the same time, it's like, there are things that you have to learn, right? Like a person can probably recite the law to you, right? But that doesn't mean that they're a good lawyer. Mm -hmm. you, know, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, so you can draw, you can paint, that's great. And that does make you an artist, but does that mean that that work speaks to me? Does that mean that that's something that I particularly, right. you know what I'm saying? So you're saying with your preference, that's why you prefaced it with your preference. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what it boils down to. Now, institutionally, I think that, you know, people should open up about what they're accepting into these institutions as far as what's being considered art. At the same time, I do think that some people still have to work. Because to me, work is strongest. And to a lot of people in the fine art world, work is strongest when that artist has a voice, when that artist is able to say something or do something novel with their work, right? So Jean-Michel Basquiat, Jean Basquiat, his work, when you look at it, a lot of people love to say, I mean, but a five-year-old could do that shit. Absolutely. I feel you. But when you start to learn more about Basquiat and you understand that he painted that way because he wanted to paint as a child would. But using that same technique, I guess, um, that a child would use, he wanted to convey heavy messages. And then the more you look at the work, the more you read the things that are on the work, the more that you understand art history, because he tied a lot of things back to artists that had come before him. Then you understand like, oh, shit, like he really saying some shit. You know what I'm saying? So 
I, I think that's an important distinction in fine art. Like there's always that voice there when we're talking about fine art. It's not just the regurgitation of images, right? Or the regurgitation of ideas. It's I've taken this and made this my own. Well, I think that that's your I think that that's your opinion as far as that last part goes. And here's why, because I feel like you started it off with there's it's either it's novel or mm -hmm. the technique is there. So it can one can outpace the other and it's still yeah. considered fine art in your eyes. Um, I think that's the case. That's the case. in, as far as I know, that is the case in the art world at large. Right there. But it's a balance. There's a balance of skill and voice. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Your work can look great and be very beautiful, but at the same time, like people are still often wondering, like, what what is the artist saying with this work? Mm -hmm. So that's always a component to the work, like what's what's being conveyed. One last thing, and then I want to get Rocky's opinion about it. Not that I'm the moderator, but I just <laughs> um, I feel like we were the only ones talking. But um, I wonder if that's the reason why, because we, there's lack of representation in the people that work in those institutions, and so how can they say that? Uh, artist speaks to them if they are not in any way related to that artist's oh, background. Oh, so you're saying as it uh, as it goes into not only context but also representation. Correct. Yeah. So if oh, no, I absolutely. if I know nothing about you, yeah. like you know, it's going to be harder for every all, people of color, people from different backgrounds, people that represent the LGBTQ. I'm going to stop plus. this. IA plus community. Um, I think it'll be harder for that person to say that, oh, this art speaks to me if they have, uh, yeah. they're completely oblivious oh, to that background. But so that's also closed off to having that conversation because I'm fine with approaching art that I have no context for, but I also have to be open-minded to understand what is the artist trying to say. But yeah. I think that as as black people, we ha we are always open-minded because we can't just function in a world and be closed-minded to what other people hey, look man. at. I mean, that's just how, that's how our life is built. Message. <laughs> that's some real shit i mean also I, I think a very important thing to remember is that some at some point we all have to call bullshit you know what i'm saying like on what on bananas taped to a fucking wall yeah like so actually so i what was funny is that i hear what you're saying but you also talked about in um Alex's episode that part of the art game is hustle. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So, and so, but also, cause I went and read more about that particular piece and he was selling his concept, the idea of mm -hmm. it. And so the thing is, it's like, am I mad that I didn't think of that concept to sell it for a hundred grand? Or am I mad that I would never purchase that for her? Like, what is yeah. it? What is it that irritates me about this? That I think my irritation is that they called it art. <laughs> Yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When I say call bullshit, I don't mean like, oh, that that art is bullshit. Like, no, that bullshit is not art. I respect your hustle, though. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, fair enough. Because that's, that's really, really, really how I feel in my soul. Like, mm -hmm. dude, I'm not mad at your hustle. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, that's some bullshit. It's just like in the hood. If a nigga steals my rims off my car, hey, man, I get you got to hustle. But that's some bullshit. Why the fuck you take my rims? Figure out another way to do my that. Shit. Rims. My rims. <laughs> yes. It's. A, I mean, it's take somebody else's rims. You know, my <laughs> rims. Or don't take anyone's it. rims. Find it. No, because he still got a hustle. I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. don't bother me. Listen, yeah. if that's your hustle, that's your hustle. Yeah. I would say steal them hoes from the store <laughs> and sell them to somebody else. Hello? Don't steal them off somebody's car because they worked hard for that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Enough. These niggas are insured for that shit. Yeah. I got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> 
tired. You feel what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, I, again, I call bullshit on it being art, but my nigga, I respect your hustle. Yeah. I guess my perspective is that I always shy away from being like, that's not art just because it does not resonate with me. And I, so, I, and I know it's like the coward way to take out, but I'm not an artist and that's how I approach art. It's like, hmm, this doesn't resonate with me. Full stop. Leave it there. Because I don't want to, like, who am I to devalue something as art? Be like, that's not art. I mean, I feel you. And I so feel you. That's that's where, I, it's the fine line that I'm like, I mean, I saw the banana in the duct tape and I was like, okay, that's people wild that's really what my first thing was like <laughs> because i was like they spent a hundred thousand dollars on that but then it also made me have the conversation of well while i don't consider that art that i would buy for a hundred thousand if i had a hundred thousand or that i would present as art that is worth a yeah. hundred thousand it was presented in a arena out on a platform like this is art and it made people have conversations about yeah. how is art valued who gets to say how much art is valued at what constitutes art that can sell for three yeah. or six figures. And so it was like, those conversations were valuable. While I don't find the value in the duct tape and the banana, I think the conversation that it continued was important to the art world. And so it's like, I mean, yes, yeah, a hustle. I get it. I appreciate what came out of it while I still am not going to ever buy. A, but I mean, I could probably go in your garage right now and recreate that and be like, boom, here you go, guys. I mean, it's some bananas right behind you. Yeah. And I'm sure you got duct tape and yeah it's like okay yeah. that shit I, resonate with me and that's fine i'm gonna spend my time and my resources elevating the art that i think should sell for six figures and should be in the conversations of this is fine art and so it should be taken seriously i've had difficulty articulating this point but i feel like i can at this point right so i feel as though people who are learning about the art world and how things work and making and things like that I feel like they give too much credit because of their lack of knowledge. And I get it. But there is not one artist mm -hmm. nor curator nor gallerist that I've spoken to since that shit happened. They've been like, yeah, that shit was it was groundbreaking. Nobody. So I haven't even read an article or a tweet or <laughs> an Instagram post where people are like, oh my God, it was so great. No, because we get it's hustle. Mm -hmm. Because when you get to a certain point, when you position yourself as an expert one way or another, yeah, you can say shit in a way, and people will be like, Yep, no, that that is actually a profound thought. And it's bullshit. Did you just pull it out your ass? But because you're considered an expert on some level, mm -hmm. people are like, oh, well, that could be true. It's kind of like when we when it's kind of like when we watch, um, Bernique and I love to watch crime and drama shows. Uh, and every time we do, because she's a lawyer and because I've been around her lawyering, we hear shit on TV all the time that the layperson is probably like, oh, wow. Damn, that's really a thing? And she'd be like, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but the show got 120 million viewers yeah. like and it, and nobody batted an eye at that shit mm -hmm. because they don't know about the law so they don't know that circumstantial evidence mm -hmm. nigga that's good evidence <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know you know what's concerning i guess 
concerning. I don't know if that's the correct word, but what is interesting to me is to see how it'll go moving forward because people still got all excited about that banana with duct tape. They still purchased it. That you know, like they that's all uh, that's how it goes and with consumerism is that you go with where people are going to buy things. Mm-hmm. You know, so if everybody purchased it and got excited about it, how is that going to affect future artists? How will future artists create? How will future gallerists or curators, how will they put art in their galleries? Like, that's what I'm interested in, to see how yeah. it changes the landscape moving forward. Will the gallery... And will it change it? Like, or was everyone going to be like, that shit was a joke? Oh, I mean, and... shit like that's been happening. Yeah. Shit like that has been happening. So we have Duchamp with um, The Fountain, which was really a urinal. Mm-hmm. turned on its side and signed our mutt. There was a whole movement of the ready-mades, um, which the, the the fountain was one of those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned to Alex the other one that uh, Duchamp did that was literally a stool, a wooden stool with a bicycle wheel stuck through it. Like, this shit's been happening forever, yeah. right? Um, and then you have these enigmatic artists who don't like to talk about their work they make stuff and you just walk away in a mysterious way and everybody's like oh my god he's so enigmatic he's so brilliant and it's really beyonce i love beyonce but she's totally that person she don't do interviews yeah like and jay-z and that mystique in people's mind like people keep hold on to that shit and they just start running away with it, right? Mm-hmm. They start running away with it, and then it becomes this big thing. Like, again, I'm gonna reference Quest Love Supreme and I'm gonna ask them to advertise with us so we can get some money. Um, they probably won't, but it's fine. Uh, but they mentioned they talked about lemonade in 444. Mm-hmm. And there are a few people that have this same thought, but most people are trying to put piece together this story between lemonade and four four four. But one of the people on the on their podcast shared they shared before and they shared again on this particular episode, their wrap up episode that they think it was just a theatrical album. Mm-hmm. It ain't no truth to that shit. And to both of them. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, everybody else was like, yo, Oh my God. Jay-Z fucked up so bad. And it's like, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But because they're not giving interviews mm-hmm. that keeps people Talking about, it, talking about it, talking about it, talking about about 444. He, yeah, he yeah. talked a little bit about it, but even the way he talked about it, you talking about the rap radar joint? No, he did one with J- Jay Leno. He did one with not Jay, Jay Leno. Uh, it was David Jay Letterman. David Letterman. Yeah, Letterman. One of the like night. Yeah, he he talked. I can't he, tell them. But he still. They totally look different. Completely different. <laughs> if I saw them next to each other, I'd probably. David Letterman. Like one of those white guys on the late night show. David Letterman. Not the one with the long chin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> David Letterman looks like a skinny Santa Claus. Okay, we're not gonna roll. <laughs> Anyway, uh, they're literally that, comedians. They've yeah. been roasted before. Jay Leno literally looks like the moon man from the old McDonald's he commercials. Does. I feel like he's at McDonald's he Big Mac tonight. I remember that shit. Sorry. Um, she, but whether it was theatrical yeah. performance or them taking their artistry and capturing a rough point in their relationship, I mean, I still think the art we got from it was. Oh good. no! Oh no! Absolutely. But what, I'm, but what I'm saying is like. It's it becomes this even more iconic thing because they're not talking about right. it as much, mm-hmm. right? So that's what happens with the work. These artists don't talk about it, so they hand you any kind of bullshit. Like they'll sit this water bottle right in front of you and mm-hmm. just be like moving it 
and looking at it and staring at it with those smoldering eyes like Justin Bieber on a red carpet. <laughs> Everybody's going to Google that shit and y'all going to be like, oh, just man. straight like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they do that. And then they walk, they take their hands off of it, walk away slowly turn their back to you and just keep walking you know what that sucks what sucks about that is that there are some artists who do that's their literal personality and that is they really made art that way for you to interpret it and it it, it there are people that are for real about that and that's my biggest gripe about things like that but sometimes the Hustle. thing is it goes back to the whole art thing right because how especially if I don't know. You may get into it and you may be like, I'm going to, you know, this isn't how I express. And then that may be how they express at the beginning and it may change, but that doesn't mean it's fake. Yeah. No, no, no. They may think that that's how you do art. (laughs) Yeah. But no, what I'm saying is like those people that are in the art world for pure hustle. Right. Like, I feel like that's a Damien Hirsch thing and y'all can Google Damien Hirsch and y'all can tell me what y'all think about sharks cutting half and putting formaldehyde. That's who I was thinking of. I was like, what I don't the know the reference, ever. but I was like, I mean, didn't somebody sell a, a shark covered in formaldehyde? He, a shark, uh, a, a moose, yeah. uh, all kind of shit. Like it, he put diamonds on a skull. But there are people who typically people of means are like, oh, I want that in my house because I think it's cool. And it's so it sells for what it sells for. That's and cool. It's cool. And that that was the function. And so I guess that's the thing is it doesn't resonate with me. So I'm not going to spend my time talking about Damien Hirsch. But there are people who are fanatics about it. Like, hey, I think that shit's cool. It's not something I would have conceptualized. And I have the means to buy it and preserve it in my home. I agree with that. And so it's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Because even with the duct tape and banana, the night that it sold, I was at the art dinner um, at Watson. Yeah. Yeah, Watson Gallery. Winston. Winston. Kevin. (laughs) Winston Gallery. Contemporary Art, yes. um, episode eight. With this Kevin season. Watson. Yes, with Kevin Watson. That's where it was. That um, one of the art collectors there um, was like, ah, I don't know, maybe. He's like, I could see if I understood what the point was. Maybe I, I'd see why someone would buy it. I might I might have bought yeah. it. And I was like, well, what's the wildest thing in your collection? And he shared what it was. And I was like, wow, that's not some shit I would ever buy. Because this shit was <laughs> terrifying. I was like, you sleep, in that, you sleep with that in your house? No. But it's that's what, as an art collector, the shit that resonates with him. Like, hey, this is cool. I'd like to have it. It's like, yeah, I, And I feel you. Yeah. But what, the, the operative thing to me, the thing that stuck out is if I understood mm-hmm. what was behind it. Right. Like, no. again, all voice. the articles I've read. Yeah. Ain't been no voice. Mm-hmm. It's just some shit. And I, there are people out there that are buying things to say that they own it. Yeah. As opposed to really valuing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, new collectors are like, buy what you like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a new thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's always kind of been there. Like there have like been people buying. Can. Yeah. Like there there was a period where people were buying only what they like, right? Mm-hmm. And then the shit became a big business. Then they're like, I'm buying shit that sells. Yeah. I don't particularly like that shit. Yeah. But I know I right now it. that shit's worth a million. I'm going to sell that shit for two million. And even I'll use the analogy of sneakers because a lot of people understand the sneaker game, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to go buy a pair of Space Jams. I can't just go to a store and buy some Jordan 11s, white and black patent leather joints at the store because 500 people bought three and four pairs to resell online. So now if I want to get them, I got to go online and buy them for four or $5,000. This has, well, it's kind of related, but my, cause 
there's a tie into the art world, which is where this came in. My best friend, who's my favorite conspiracy theorist, really <laughs> thinks that Nike and the powers that be buy them hoes and sell them under shell accounts on StockX so they can sell their shoes for $750 plus where they think that they should be sold. Um, I feel like that would have come out because they have to, they're a publicly traded company. Yeah, well, so they have to report. Well, so income. obviously not that simplified. But, but I do like, like that idea, though. Yeah. She now, was like, or, do you know, I the, think the, employees there are people, Yeah, employees, like that people oh, in yeah. on the, oh, yeah. who yeah. have access are like, oh, bet, I'm going to buy these. Yeah. I'm going to flip. Everybody get their cut. So in her head, because, you know, you conspiracy theories aren't conspiracy theories unless they're wild as fuck. She <laughs> thinks Nike has it on there. There's a black book. It's like, this is what we're going to do. Because I mean, Nike, the cost of Nikes have not changed that much. Over the years. Agreed. It actually has, which is the funniest thing in the world to me. Like these sneakers, these Jordans that were 125 when they originally came out. Yeah. They sell them for 225, 250 yeah. from Nike now. But if you think over 30 oh years. My God. And, but over 30 years, because I remember my grandma was like, yeah, your daddy wanted some $125 uh, dollar sneakers. I'm like, they're not that much more expensive now when you think of everything else that's gone up. But then you're like, oh, if you get them on the resale market, you spend in seven fifty eight. Which most people have to yeah. because that's how many pairs sell out. Exactly. Super quick. Like when I bought the but blue the joints. But that's that goes into the whole cost of production and access and $3. the means. Yeah, like the it's a, <laughs> it's a game and all. Yeah. And that's that parallel to the art world. It's like, oh, okay, if I say that this is worth this and whoever yeah. resells it says it's that, that's how much it's worth. And so you can't go get the Space Jam store yeah. at two twenty five. There are absolutely benefits to the art market doing the things that it's doing, but then there's absolutely there's absolutely problems that come with that as well. And with that banana hustle, the issue is now you have gallerists that are like, oh shit, that's what's selling? All right, cool. Because the, the gallery thing is a hustle too, which is why motherfuckers are taking 50, 60, 70%. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, okay, this is selling. We need more of that. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever's selling for a shitload, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for actual work that we think is good and things like that. We're looking for this shit that's going to sell. But I think that just Which goes back fair. to the individual ethics and, like, values yeah. of each company. No, and I wonder absolutely. if, and I know, I wonder if this is going to change into just like everything else has gone online if they're starting out being virtual galleries. There the are art. virtual galleries. There are lots of virtual galleries. Oh, well, look at me. The difficulty, though, with that is that when people are spending ten, twelve thousand dollars on a piece of work, they want to see that shit. They want that experience. Of Nobody wants that of... paper Frank experience. <laughs> Fuck paper Frank. <laughs> Nobody wants that experience, right? Like where you get a print that you've purchased offline. It's on some thin ass paper. It's blurry as shit, and it took nine months to get that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So people like Paper Frank are fucking up the game too. But but see, think I think it's different when you buy from an individual artist versus like a, a, a gallery, a, yeah. a reputable gallery that you can say like other people have purchased from and they had a good experience. Yeah. But so other people have purchased from that artist that I'm Paper not going to say his name no more. <laughs> but yeah, so I I would not have expected that. But it was that's like, fair. Okay, lesson learned. That's yeah. fair. I mean, you ordered those shoes from Addison. We thought it was a reputable site. <laughs> You ordered some little genie shoes with tassels for our baby, <laughs> and it, she had to call and email like yeah. fifty different times to get I them shit. It's important to talk about your experience because, like, now anyone asking yeah. him, like, I won't ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a fuck how big he gets as an artist. Never ever. ever. Yeah. I now that's not to say that you should not purchase from online galleries. No. That is simply to say that you need to vet these people that Do you're your spending diligence. your money with. Period. Right. Yeah. So, um. With that said, I, I, you know, this is a conversation that we could have for Forever. Yes. hours, weeks, months, days, 
Wait, we're what? probably gonna have it again. Mm-hmm. In I said that in the wrong order. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're absolutely gonna have that conversation again. Um, but let's quickly talk about what our hopes are for 2020 for the podcast, for ourselves, our endeavors, whatever. I would like to make this mobile podcast much more mobile and we go to other cities and interview other artists. I know we could do it basically virtually or on the phone, but I like the in-person experience. Uh, um, yeah, no, I agree. So I want to I wanna hit the other markets and hit talk to the other artists and curators and gallerists and collectors all over the country. Fuck it, all over the world. But um, So that's my, my goal. I'd also like us to... I'd like to get flued out to talk to some people. Yeah, fly us out. So I can say that I was flued out because I'm definitely going to make that an Instagram. Even if I fly myself out, I'm going to say I got flued out because I didn't fly the plane. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rodrigo flued me out because that's the pilot's name mm -hmm. in my mind. I don't know why it's Rodrigo. Rodrigo. That's what I came up with, though. That creative brain. That's a a, a swarthy name for a pilot, though. He got slick back black hair. (laughs) I see the vision. Yeah. I see the vision. Cold ass accent. Get him, Rodrigo. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so that's that's my goal for the podcast i um my personal goal is i want to i was able to connect with some serious art collectors um they're actually the houston arts alliance patrons of the year and i would like to kind of get into like what is it like being a a serious collector and what your journey is hopefully we'll get to have them on the podcast um in season three but for my personal goal i want to be more disciplined in my why I'm collecting, what I'm collecting, who I'm collecting. This past year, pretty much collected black women artists, um, and I'm very proud of my collection, but I want to challenge myself to, one, first of all, frame all my goddamn artwork. (laughs) I think you should do that before you do anything else. Yeah, I put myself, I'm on a a spending freeze for buying art. I bought my last piece last week, and I got it, and it's amazing. So now... Hey, I'm sorry. Let me interject real quick, because I feel like there are probably some people out there that don't have their work framed, yeah. and I want to tell you and them this. You don't have to spend two, $300 on a frame yeah. for your artwork. You, you should eventually. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You should eventually, absolutely, because that's the best way to protect the artwork. Yeah. However... Ikea has wonderful frames for like $15, $20, all different sizes. And then you buy a nice frame, you get a nice matte cut. Yes. Right? You buy a frame for $15, you get a nice matte cut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Mark, you did tell me this. Money. And I, I went and I dropped, oh, I, about, I dropped about $200 in Ikea on frames, which felt like a lot. And then I got home, I was like, damn, some of this doesn't fit. And then that's why I asked Mark earlier. He was like, just get the getting the matte cut, because I tried to cut it myself. Cutting matte is not something you should DIY if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually not that hard. If it's, you would have told me you were trying. I didn't have the right tool. I was, I was about to say, some, what were you trying to I was in there with some regular old regular oh, scissors trying to get that angle. And I was like, there's I just legit a mat. product called a mat cutter. Yeah. And so again, <laughs> don't use yeah. scissors to cut your mat unless you're doing some creative shit. Don't don't be like me. So I, I preserved the frames and I left everything where it went. So where, where it needed to be. Um, but they look so much better in the frame. So I'm going to frame them and then I'm going to hang them up because I was like, I have a nice art collection. There's also the some other tricks in the tray. is the uh, painting that you got me or picture we that you framed it. And y'all framed it and that's why it's hanging On up. On purpose. <laughs> because they know me. Get friends who know you. So um, yeah, those are my personal goals. I want to be more disciplined in my collecting and also framing my artwork and displaying it. Jesus um, loves you, girl. Yeah. So does my mama. She loved me. I don't know. Last time I there talked to you, she sounded a lot of, a lot of neck iffy. action with so that. She loved me. You better but stop before you break your neck and fall out that chair. 
on the way to that big head. Okay. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So those are my those are my podcast goals and my personal goals that are related to art. Nice. All right, cool. Um, podcast goals, same same man. Like I want to get flued out. You know what I'm saying? Get flued out, talk to some people in some different places. Um, I would love if anybody out there is listening. I would love to talk to Carrie Marshall. I would love to talk to Toya Ojio Detola. I would love to talk to Bisa Butler. I would love to talk to Henry Taylor. I would love to talk to Kajal. Danny, I know you know Kajal. I would love to talk to Kajal. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of other people too. Um, but that's like, you know. And actually, I would love to talk to Lovey. Member number four. The last member of Rue that we need to talk to. And we have been anticipating talking to Lovey because Lovey is amazing. So if someone's listening to this and you know Lovey, text her. I'm going to text her too. Again. But <laughs> um, yeah. And then I'd love to have the whole Rue crew. That yeah. would be amazing because they are all weirdos and I love them. They're they're amazing. Um, Personal art goals. So personal art goals right now it is tentatively slated that I have a show in March, a solo show. Hey, um, exciting. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so there will be more details on that. Um, hopefully I don't, um, as they say on one of me and my wife's favorite fake ass legal shows, hopefully I don't shit the bed. Um Since- yeah that's that is absolutely from, gang, gang. you're the one that shit the goddamn bed <laughs> I love that fucking harvey specter man love that guy uh, <laughs> um i also want to do these salons man these 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 drawing salons um i do some photo salons and some things like that um and just making more work um a lot more work the work i'm working on now is definitely different it's more text-based um, using archive photos as well um, but that's different than drawing and painting and photography that I also do so you know and hopefully I get to curate some things and some other stuff and do some more talks if somebody got a slot at um, you know uh, South by or somebody got a slot at Basil Basil is on the on the on the docket for 2020 Where I don't we know going? I don't know what capacity I'm gonna be there but I'm gonna be there in an official capacity with a motherfucking lanyard and shit and i'm be like yes i'm here yep. my name is mark friends this is from arts explanatory comma podcast hello all of a sudden he became british yeah. absolutely people, thank you people prefer british black people to american black people so i'll be that <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation guys that's true and you know it um unless you're Brittany. Brittany. <laughs> oh god oh britain <laughs> you're such a weirdo but no yeah those are those are the goals i mean there's other things you know um but you know we'll we'll i'll i'll roll those out slowly i'm not gonna inundate you all more than i already have uh what about you little bear um for I, the podcast yes, I, call her little bear. I i i wish y'all the best and how, and how, how you gonna wish us the best you supposed to be our damn producer <laughs> well i'll help with um I, I you know i will cultivate the list of uh, po- uh 
podcast topics that I I, I created and curated a few months ago <laughs> is what I'll do. <laughs> I'll take and that and run with that. Mm-hmm. I wish y'all could see my face right now. And mm-hmm. addition to that, I as far as personal art goals, I just want to do our gallery walls that we have that I've been talking about. So that's all I got, guys. You should have said you should have sandwiched me in the middle there because mine's not <laughs> nearly as exciting. It's okay. You're beautiful. I ask good questions, so you know I help y'all boop, with those. Boop, boop. You do ask all right. So. All right, oh, man. This is season two wrap up. Season two wrap up. Wrap it up so you don't have no babies. We do I'm have a rap playing. song. Are y'all ready? I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, uh. that I could make one up real quick. Um, no, because there gonna... is only one track on the entire internet of me rapping, and. On I mean, if I, if I, internet? on the entire I internet. can't think of anyone who wants to hear that. First shit. of all, there were a lot of people who listened to it and loved it. So check yourself, hater. That's because they were fans of the Hive. No, I was. This was pre-Hive. So ooh, ooh, ooh boom, shock my draws. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> I can't deal with it. So y'all will be hearing this at, at, at the point where you're listening to this. It is now January second. 2020 welcome to 2020 we've been in this bitch you know what i'm talking about um we wish you all a happy new year um and may you be willing to put in all of the work to make all of your wildest endeavors come true bye that's that bye. real shit message peace oh wait we didn't even say this is raquel simone they y'all know who it is yeah, y'all hey hey baby y'all know who it is you know what i'm saying h times realist H-Times podcast up out this bitch you know what i'm saying swinging on them things we come to swing and bang that art <laughs> shit you know what i'm talking about <laughs> ah. hey. <laughs> bye. Bye. hey but now for real on behalf of raquel simone vernique francis and that dude mark francis you know what i'm talking about straight up out the swat Thank y'all for listening, baby. Peace.